Welcome back to Can He Do That? A podcast where we explore the powers and limitations of the American presidency. This week, we're focusing on Trump's tax returns, which may be more important than ever in light of some recent news that broke this week. We got to a point not based on a legal issue, but based on a trust issue, where the level of trust between the president and General Flynn had eroded to the point where he felt he had to make a change. National Security Advisor Michael Flynn resigned after news broke that he spoke with the Russian ambassador about U.S. sanctions and then proceeded to mislead Trump administration officials about those conversations. Democrats and a handful of Republicans have called for a deeper investigation into the possible ties between the United States and Russia. But this brings up one question, which is, can you really complete a thorough investigation without one critical piece of this story? And that piece is Donald Trump's tax returns. I'm your host, Allison Michaels, and this week I have Sean Sullivan here with me. Sean followed Trump on the campaign trail. He covers Congress here at The Post now. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Allison. Okay, Sean. So the number one request that we have gotten since we started this podcast was to do an episode dedicated to Trump's tax returns. So no pressure for you there. But can you just walk us through where we stand now with his returns? Yeah, this is something that has followed him for months and months and months, even before he became president. He said during the campaign he was not going to release his tax returns until after an audit uh, was completed. But that left a very uncertain time frame about when or even if he would release his taxes. A top advisor, Kellyanne Conway, said after the election that he would not release his tax returns. So uh, that confused a lot of people. But then after that, he said he might. So it's a yes, no, maybe kind of thing right now. We don't know. There's been a lot of conflicting signals from Trump and his inner circle. And the bottom line is we haven't seen these taxes yet. Okay, so this is where we stand now. But how does it compare to historical precedent? How did this practice even start? So we decided to talk to Joseph Thorndike. He's a historian who works on the Tax History Project. Presidents are for taxpaying purposes, private citizens. And just like every other taxpayer in the country, their tax returns are private. There's no special law applied to presidents. And so uh, they really are. They're, they're just citizens. That's the way we should think of them when it comes to taxes and, and their tax returns. So is there a time in history when tax returns have been public? In the 1920s, uh, they used to publish that stuff in the, infra- in the newspaper. Long lists. You know, it would say, like, who made the most money in the District of Columbia or New York City or whatever? And they'd list them all by name wow. and how much they'd paid in taxes. Um, but the, it really started during the Civil War when the income tax first appeared. And, and the very first income tax uh, provided that, that individual taxpayer returns would be a public record, open to public inspection. The problem with that is that, as you might imagine, it was enormously unpopular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People resented the fact that their returns uh, were public record. And, uh, you know, the income tax expires in, in, 19, in 1872 anyway. But Congress was already in, in full sprint toward getting rid of this because people were just not comfortable with the public release of that sort of information. When the income tax comes back in 1913 and and then later, they they re-debate this several times. And the argument usually is, we need to make sure that the rich people are paying their fair share, so we need to know what they're paying. We can't just rely on the IRS. But again, these were very brief moments. The instinct for privacy uh, just trumped all those over and over again. 
So then how did this tradition come about of presidential candidates releasing their tax returns? The first time any major public figure, presidential public figure, ever released a tax return, to my knowledge, was Adlai Stevenson Mm -hmm. running for president as a Democrat in 1952. He was challenged to make a financial disclosure by... Richard Nixon, who was running for vice president in 1952 and who got in all sorts of minor trouble about his personal finances. Nixon talked his way out of that with that famous Checkers speech where he holds up his little dog and says, yeah, we love our little dog, Checkers. Um, But uh, one thing he did, he gives that speech and he says, and I challenge the Democrats to make a similar accounting of their personal finances. And Adlai Stevenson, who's running for president, says, fine, here's an accounting of my personal finances and I'll go you one better. I'll release 10 years of my tax returns. Why don't you do that? And Nixon said, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and so Nixon didn't release. That's the first time that anyone really starts talking about presidents or, or presidential candidates releasing returns. But the tradition doesn't really get going until Richard Nixon, once again, at the center of the story, uh, is actually president. And in 1973, he finds himself in some hot water about his personal tax returns. He's on the ropes like that and eventually decides, you know what, I'm going to try to clear the air here. I'm going to release my tax returns uh, publicly. I'm also going to give them to the Joint Committee on Internal Revenue Taxation, which is today just called the Joint Committee on Taxation, and ask them to examine the returns independently. And, And that was the first presidential release of personal tax returns. There have been plenty of candidates, people who never got the nomination, who didn't release. There is no standard of how much they released. Some released one year, some released 30 years. I mean, it's really all over the map because it's a tradition, because it's voluntary. There's nothing compelling these guys to do it. So I think they do exactly as much as they think is politically advantageous for them. What are some of the reasons why releasing your tax returns is politically advantageous? Several things. One is an appearance of transparency. You Mm -hmm. know, look at me. I'm squeaky clean, cleaner than clean. I'm so clean that I'm perfectly willing to let you look over my tax returns. I mean, that is a statement, right? And and I think a lot of people are trying to claim the moral high ground of opposed to corruption in government. You know, what's what could be more non-corrupt than releasing your returns? So I think that's the the principal advantage. There are arguments for why presidents in particular should release their returns that are not all about political advantage. They're about law enforcement. This person is going to be in charge of, you know, supervising. He's the chief law enforcement officer of the United States, essentially. Uh, and, And they are going to be supervising the IRS and the tax collection for all the rest of us. And I think that, you know, there is it's not unreasonable for people to say, hey, I'd I'd like to know that this person who's going to be in charge of all this is also living on the up and up. So to that point, can you talk about any time in history when releasing tax returns for a nominee or for a president themselves has shaped history in some way? You know, the the short answer to that is no. (laughs) Um, There's never been a huge bombshell in in any of these returns. Trump himself has said, I'm going to read this quote here. The only ones that care about my tax returns are the reporters. You learn very little from a tax return. So my question to you is, A, is that true that only reporters care? And B, what are some of the kinds of things you can learn from a tax return? Well, um, poll data would suggest that more than just reporters care. Um, that, but poll data is not the end of the story, right? You know, if, if 70% of Americans say they think that President Trump should release his returns, that doesn't mean that they care a whole lot about that. And I think, you know, it's, it's clear that this was not the most important issue in the election and therefore kept President Trump out of the presidency. It was not. You know, but a lot of people out there today are, you know, Trump critics, I think, are vesting a lot of hope in, in these tax returns, thinking, wow, once we force him to divulge these returns, we're going to have the goods on him. You know, I, 
it's not at all clear to me, and I don't think it should be clear to anyone who hasn't actually seen the returns, to go there because we don't know. There, we, we don't know what we don't know. They're not necessarily going to be, you know, lines on the tax return that says, you know, say, huge loan from Vladimir Putin. You know, like, <laughs> that's, if that's what people are looking for, they're going to be disappointed in tax returns. The, the question here is about transparency and, and disclosure. And we can argue all day about what we might learn from unreleased returns, but the point is they're unreleased. For me, that's the point. The sure. point for me as a historian is not let's think of some way to embarrass the president. It's let's just make sure that the historical record and that the contemporary political record is transparent and evident to everyone. So I know that a lot of our listeners will have the follow-up question, why not just release them? Can the IRS auditing him really be a reason for him not to release them? And B, you know, what, what could he potentially be hiding? Why is he so hesitant to, to release them? Well, President Nixon released his returns while they were under audit. So there's actually precedent for releasing returns under audit. There's also no rule or law preventing someone from releasing their returns under audit. They're free to do that. It's definitely something a tax advisor would discourage you from doing. They'd say this is only going to make the audit harder for you if the whole country is looking over the IRS's shoulder. So... Um, you know, I, I don't I don't draw any conclusions from the fact that he doesn't want to release his returns. They're private information. I don't want to release my returns. You probably don't want to put yours out there on the front door of the Washington Post building. Like, who would, right? The reluctance of people to release their returns is completely understandable, I think. And many presidents and vice presidents and presidents and uh, candidates have dragged their feet about it. I think we would all be better off if we simply required tax disclosure the same way we require financial disclosure from presidents. They have to file a return, uh, uh, file a financial disclosure statement. Uh, I think they should just staple their tax returns or in Trump's case, maybe back up the truck of his tax returns at the same time. Uh, it doesn't seem unreasonable to me. So there are some efforts to change the law, right? Can you right. speak a little bit about those? Well, the one I'm most familiar with is uh, Senator Ron Wyden has introduced a bill to uh, mandate that uh, presidents release their returns. The idea being that you just, you know, take it out of the take it out of the realm of guilt tripping and, and, and put it into law uh, and require that either the president releases returns or that the IRS do it for him. If we really value this, and I personally think that we should, but if we do as a country, I do think we should make it a law. Do you think that given that Donald Trump has not released his tax returns, that looking ahead, we will see presidential candidates, nominees, presidents no longer release their tax returns? Is this over? I do think that the tradition of uh, candidate release and, and presidential release is imperiled because it's voluntary, uh, because it's just a tradition. It's fragile. And in this case, I think we've already seen some significant weakening of it. So even during the campaign this year, some of the candidates running, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Bernie Sanders, didn't really make full and complete uh, return disclosures. They released just the 1040 form, which is not a full return. You know, if you sent that to the IRS and called it your full return, they'd send it back to you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that already was sort of a, a degradation of the tradition because the tradition is that you release the whole thing. So I think people are, are backing off of this a little bit. And now that we have a, a candidate successfully elected and, and now a president, President, uh, in office and not releasing, uh, I think that there's reason to worry that this tradition of transparency is going to disappear. So why doesn't he want to release them so much? What could be in these tax returns? Well, this has been the topic of a lot of speculation from people who work in politics and from people who write about it. And so there are several theories about what could be out there. Number one, potential business ties to Russia at a time when Trump's 
positions and, and his relationship with Russia is under very, very close scrutiny right now. Another theory is that, look, he might not actually be on paper as wealthy as many people think he is, and these taxes might actually show that. And we know that the president is somebody who cares a lot about what people think about him. So another thing that has been uh, closely scrutinized is how much, if any, money has Trump given to charity? Well, we might get a clearer snapshot of what he's given or what he hasn't given if we look at these taxes, and he might not want that to come out. So there are a variety of potential reasons that could explain why the president would not want to have his taxes made public. Is it possible that he's waiting to release his tax returns until he has to deflect from some other major story? It is possible. I mean, you know, it would certainly take immediate attention away from some big explosive thing if you were to release them. But again, you know, he is somebody who looks very, very closely and cares a lot about what people think about him personally and his wealth and the way he uses his money. So there might be other things he might be willing to release before he actually releases his taxes. That might be a uh, firewall of last resort, so (laughs) to speak, for the president. Sure. What are the ways that Trump's tax returns can actually be released? What are the ways that they can come out at this point short of him voluntarily releasing them? Who can do something about this? Well, lawmakers are trying to do something, Democratic lawmakers at least. Uh, One person is Congressman Bill Pascrell, who sits on the House Ways and Means Committee, and he's been trying to get Congress to force Trump to release his returns. So in 1924, the Congress finally passed a piece of legislation, which was part of the IRS, made it part of the IRS code, which said that three entities can ask for people's tax returns. The Ways and Means Committee, I'm a member of that committee. The Senate Finance Committee, and the third committee was the Joint Committee on Taxation. So anybody of those three, they could vote and say, let's, we want Donald Trump's We want Bill Pascrell's tax returns. We want Joe Smith's of the IRS. And by the way, in 2014, they asked for 51 different returns. Well, 51 private citizens. These were not employees. Private citizens. So it's in law in the two sections of 6103. It's in law that who has the power to ask and how they get it, and what they do with it when they get it. Because everything is confidential unless they decide in voting to release it in public. So you decided to you decided to write a letter? I wrote a letter February the 1st to the chairman, Kevin Brady, from Texas. I put a letter together, having researched it about a month, a little more, about five weeks, and I came to the conclusion that the best way to get the tax returns was to use this, this 6103. Uh, in the IRS code. I sent the letter to Kevin. I'm sure you have that letter. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything about it. Gave him the opportunity to breathe a little. I like breathing. Very good. Very important. Resuscitation. Very good. He never responded. Now, I know he's a you know bright guy, um, straightforward usually, and I figured I'd get an answer, you know, drop dead or go to hell, whatever. Nothing. Zero. So Kevin Brady, I think, said publicly this week that he's not going to use the committee as a vehicle Yeah, but to... did you hear what he said, the reason why? What was the reason why? He said it's not good to be rummaging around people's private secrets. Rummaging around? Is that what this is? What was it in 2014? Wasn't that 
We're talking about rummaging. I'm telling you whose account I want. I'm telling you the individual. His name is Donald Trump. He's a citizen of this country. I'm not asking for his birth certificate. Oh, that's another story I forgot. Are there other things that other Democrats, like Democratic leaders, you know, Schumer, Pelosi, others who are in a uh, in the spotlight in a position of power, should are there things they should be doing or talking about to you know bring more light to this? I personally think I, I understand what's going on in terms of our security, in terms of uh, Lieutenant General Flynn. I think that this is key to all of it. For this reason, not because I'm putting him forward, but this goes to the very heart of conflicts of interest. This is what we need to do, and we're going to try everything to do it. Russia is back in the news this week, given everything that happened with uh, Michael Flynn. There's a lot of curiosity, it seems, from Republicans and Democrats to sort of dig deeper and look at the president's ties or potential ties or his staff's ties to Russia. How, how should that be done? And what could we learn? I mean, could the taxes be useful Absolutely. in exploring that? Absolutely. I don't know how much money uh, Donald Trump has invested in Russia or any of its entities or in China or any of its entities or in Saudi Arabia or any of its entities. I'd like to know that. I think it's important, particularly where there are possibilities of conflicts of interest. Now, Article 1 of uh, Section 9 of the Constitution is very clear about emoluments, very clear. And we do not want our president, regardless of his party affiliation, that's, that's unimportant, to deal with foreign nations in return and back and forth with gifts when this could have an effect on decisions down the road. We have a right to know that, and Article 1, Section 9 is very clear. Another thing he always says is, hey, look, I've, I've uh, released the personal financial disclosures that, that are required. No, that's baloney. The disclosure things are one thing. The tax returns tell you where your money is and how much is invested. That is really interesting, fascinating. It sounds like you can get a lot more detail out of a tax return than you can out of a personal Absolutely. financial disclosure. Absolutely. And you have the right people looking at that. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. So that's why we pay good people to look at these things. So Congressman Pascrell there talked about how Trump's tax returns can kind of be the key to the Trump-Russia relationship, to people understanding it, to finding out what's really there. Can you elaborate on that? So Trump's relationship and his comments about Russia have really, really stood out from what he said about other world leaders. Uh, the Post recently reported that he had a contentious conversation with the prime minister of Australia, but at the same time, he's saying that Russia is potentially a good ally, that Vladimir Putin is somebody he can work with. And so this has raised a lot of questions about what Trump's relationship is with Russia, whether there is some sort of covert uh, interaction or dealings with the Russian government. And I think that's one thing that people are curious about when they look at his taxes, because then you could see, for one thing, you'll get a lot more detail about potentially any business ties he has to companies in Russia or to, uh, you know, who he's done business with in Russia. And so that could add some new, that, that could shed some new light on what that relationship is, because a lot of people, not just Democrats, but some Republicans, too, are worried that he's too cozy with Russia, and they're worried that the things he's said and done about Russia is not 
the position that a president should take toward a country that, you know, for decades the United States has viewed with a lot of skepticism. Yeah. And, you know, you spoke about the Republicans there. So we've seen uh, somewhat surprisingly, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that it was, quote, highly likely that Flynn's departure would be added to the existing probe that the FBI is doing and the Senate Intelligence Committee is doing into a Russian interference in the U.S. election. So my big question really is how can there be a deep investigation into this connection without subpoenaing Trump's tax returns? I don't know that there can be a complete investigation without having those tax returns. The question is whether Republicans think that they can do the investigation without that, whether they want to press Trump to do that. I think if you ask a lot of Democrats, they would certainly say, yes, we want to see this stuff. We want the complete picture here. And the reality is without these taxes, we don't have a complete picture of Trump's financial past. Uh, you know, It wouldn't surprise me if Republicans said that they could do this investigation without them. Yeah. And what Mitch McConnell has suggested would really align with what the American people have said that they want to see happen. They want an investigation like this. So specifically in late January, Quinnipiac University released a poll that said more than six in 10 register, registered voters supported investigations into potential links between Trump's campaign advisors and the Russian government. And only 32 percent were opposed to this. Yeah, it's clear that there's a lot of curiosity here among the public about what is going on between Trump and Russia. It seems like every week, if not every day, we see new developments about that relationship or about the relationship between Trump's aides and his allies with Russia. And this has become something that I think many Americans wonder about. And this has become a pretty, uh, you know, mainstream topic of conversation. So this is not something that, you know, you just have hardcore Trump critics saying, we want to see this stuff. There's a lot of Americans who I think are curious about the broader relationship between Trump and Russia, and they want a lot more questions answered. So recent reports have shown that it actually took the pressure of the news to get the president to take action to push Flynn towards resigning. Do you imagine similar coverage around his tax returns could put enough pressure on him to voluntarily release them? Well, this issue got a lot of attention during the campaign when he first refused to release these returns. And he did face a lot of pressure from outlets. And, you know, the Washington Post and other outlets were pressing his campaign. When are you going to release these taxes? Why is he not releasing these taxes? Well, that didn't produce any release taxes. He decided to sidestep that completely. So if he takes the same strategy now that he did in the campaign, he's not going to bow to that pressure. But that said, I mean, Trump as we've talked about, as somebody who cares about how he's covered and cares how he's seen. And if this is a story that continues to be in the news all the time, who knows? So Trump here, he's upending many longstanding traditions in a lot of different areas. But this is a big one. This is an area where he is changing what has been the accepted norm of the presidency. Is that dangerous? I think a lot of his critics see that as very dangerous and see this as one of many things that he's doing that is fundamentally changing the presidency, that is fundamentally changing the way that people run for president. So I think people worry not only about how this breaks from past tradition, but also what standard this might set for the future of campaigns and for the future of uh, presidents moving forward. Okay, Sean, so we find ourselves at the end of this episode, and I'm going to toss to you the question that we always toss. In this case, it's kind of a series of questions, but here we go. How is it that Trump cannot just do something that all these previous people have done? Can he just not release his tax returns? Essentially, can he do this? 
Legally speaking, yes, he can. There is no law right now that compels him to release these taxes, and that fundamentally is how he's gotten away with this. That said, that could change in the future. Congress might at some point decide to spearhead such a law. A future president might spearhead such a law. We might see things like subpoenas, congressional committees looking at this. So there are ways for people in positions of power to compel him to release his taxes. But as we sit here right now, this is completely legal, 100%. And that is a big part of why he's been able to do this. Sean, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Allison. You can follow Sean on Twitter at WapoSean and me, Allison Michaels, at Allison Mikes. Topics we cover here are part of larger stories that change very, very quickly. So there are two spots where you can follow along during the week. One is my Twitter account, so check that out. And two is our show notes at wapo.st slash can he do that? So a major part of the entire tax return story is conflicts of interest. And we're going to tackle that next week with David Farenthold in an episode dedicated to the emoluments clause. Consider this episode your primer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks so much for sending me messages. I love getting them. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you liked this. And we'll see you next week. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the exceptional Carol Alderman with additional reporting from Tanya Sachinsky. Rachel Orr is our killer design director, and our logo art is the work of Loren Boglio. 